Hey everyone, we just got done interviewing Major Parker Tomasi of Weapons Train Battalion Stone Bay. Talked a little after action about the Weapons Train Battalion intramural that just uh, just uh, wrapped up. Talk a little bit about the medalists, but you know we got to give props to Parker and his staff. It is not easy to bring action shooting onto a Marine Corps base. I I've done it before. Uh, there's a lot of hassle involved. So a lot of props to the work that him and his staff have put in. And I think it's it's exciting. You hear a lot of passion and excitement come through this interview. I think it, it was it was good not only for the shooters, but for his staff as well. He's doing a lot of great things in terms of encouraging innovation and mentoring and fostering his young NCOs to do great things. So I would like to keep our eye on Weapons Train Talent Stone Bay. I think they're going to continue to do great things. Yeah, the thing that kind of stuck out to me is like, so we we heard a lot of the same names, which is amazing. Like people like people that are continuing to shoot, especially the Jville crew, like Tony DePrima and, and James Archbell. It's great to always hear like good competitors continuing to go out and shoot and, and make a difference within their own units. Uh, but the the really exciting part to me is like hearing Parker talk about how the guys after the first week they heard about the match at Sir Walter that weekend and then they 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 all went out bought some gear uh piecemeal gear together went out competed that weekend and then jumped right back into the intramurals so it you know i think it's really showing a need and a desire for more shooting competitions legit good shooting competitions in the Jacksonville North Carolina area so we hope you enjoy this episode and let us Give me know. Give when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of 3GIQ. I'm Frank Gao, joined by my co-host Matt Gunlock, and today we have Parker Tomasi back. We are going to conduct an after-action of the Camp Lejeune uh, Weapons Training Battalion Stone Bay Intramural that happens near uh, right after Thanksgiving and the, until the beginning of December. Uh, the match went just fine, so we'd like to talk about just how the match was conducted, some of the planning decisions, and just some of the considerations for future matches that weapons train battalion still may might be holding in the future. So I would like off, to throw a correction in there because you forgot to say the field part of weapons and field training battalion. Oh, uh, correction to the correction, Matt. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it is not a field training battalion. It is just a weapons training battalion. Oh, so do they change it? Just for us. Like there's weapons field Edson range, but then uh, we're just, we're weapons training battalion stone Bay. Son of a bitch. I'm yep. fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Podcast's over. No, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> oh, man. But um, yeah, hey, uh, some Marines came out. They shot awesome. I'd like to go down a list of the medalists and then just some of your comments on how some of those Marines performed. Yeah, it was um it was a great showing. Um we had about uh 60 Marines and sailors come out, uh, and I should say one civilian as well. Um, one of the the instructor cadre with Marsoc uh, is a retired gunny. He came out and shot with us as well. So we had four corpsmen, one civilian, and the rest were Marines. Um, but it was a great showing. Uh, a lot of a lot of new faces because you know you shoot every weekend around this area. You you kind of see a lot of the same guys. Um, so this one was a lot of new faces. So it was a great introduction for a lot of Marines to what one action shooting is, but also how it applies to them as Marines. So it was a, it was a fun experience, I think for everybody, a lot of, a lot of smiling faces and, and jokes going around and having fun. So, um, I don't know, do you want me to like go, go down the list of yeah, let's, pistol medalists? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, sure. So, uh, with the, uh, the rifle medalists, so we had six medals, uh, the medal count came out to be 
uh, three bronze medals, two silver, and one gold. So in the, the rifle category, we had Gunnar Archbell from uh, Second Recon was our, our third bronze medalist. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Johnson from Second CEB uh, was our, our second bronze medalist. And Sergeant Kelly from ITB uh, was our, our th first bronze medalist. It's kind of weird to flip yeah. those around. Um, now I'm just going off the top of my head. So if I, if I mix mix up anybody's units, uh, just, just know I had a very long day at work and yell at me later for it. Um, so our, our second silver medalist was, uh, Sergeant Fontaine, uh, from ITB as well. And our first silver medalist was, uh, Staff Sergeant Cottle from, from ITB as well. And overall first place was, was Sergeant Monty. I think he was from MCT or ITB, one of the two. Um, going over nice. to pistol, uh, sixth place was was Gunnar Lucero, our, th our third bronze medalist. Gunnar Lucero from from Brain Raider Regiment. I he's love the, that uh, dude. Oh, Gunnar Lucero is an awesome dude. Yeah, one he's a boss. Yeah, uh, two he's he's just he's just a great guy there to have a fun time um, and 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 be with the boys. So he was great. Um, Sergeant Coyle was our second bronze medalist, and uh, Sergeant DePrima was DePrima. our DePrima. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, he's yeah. a good friend of mine. Yeah, okay. Old Jville crew. Him, yeah. Me, me, yep. him, Arch, uh, Osbeck, and uh, Mastin. We used to go compete together back uh, when I uh, first Osbeck. started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. In fact, I think DePrima and um, Arch took a picture together afterwards. And it, their post was like, uh, you know, Team Jville. Yeah, yeah. And then I got onto Arch because he wasn't wearing his uh, any of the the shooting medals that I issued him like okay. last year or the year before. And I was like, what the fuck? Where's your your medals I issued you? Oh, I felt bad because I didn't have any pistol uh, medals or anything at the time. It's like, you son of a bitch. Well, he he changed that this year. Yeah. Because our, our, our second silver medalist was Sergeant Beck uh, from second Intel. And then Arch was our first silver medalist. And then overall for pistol was uh, Corporal Wright from 2-2. Hell yeah. 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 A few notes. So um, Archbell helped me out a lot when I was putting together the my uh, second Intel or two MIG shooting team. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the one who he went out to the range before we did our first live fire with me, did a site survey, told me about how to talk to range control, all that stuff. And I was doing some off-the-cuff stuff. I, I was shooting with uh, frange ammo. I was using steel. Uh, I wanted my Marines to be able to shoot and move. So he he helped navigate me through all that. So awesome to hear that he did very well. Tanner Wright, we ran into that kid at Carry Optics Nationals, and he shot out of his mind there. Um, he is a very strong shooter. Um, he I think he placed within the top 25 at Carry Optics Nationals. Yep. He was 20th. He was 20th. Mm -hmm. um, it was like third, third military overall. So that's that's someone to keep your eye on for sure. Third third military overall, but first in the master class or master division. Yeah, we all gave him shit for that. We're like, you, there's no way that you should be in M. And that's that's just one of the that's one one of the oddities of the classification system. Mm -hmm. uh, some people are overclassified, and some people like him are obviously underclassified. Mm -hmm. Pretty good for a guy who really hasn't been shooting that long. Yeah, the the funny part about Corporal Wright, um, obviously. I knew who he was coming into this competition. I, I think you linked me up with him to get him a yes. to get him a gun, so we didn't have to transport it. Um, but just from from the USPSA magazine, seeing his name in there, so I was like, okay, like I know who this kid is. Um, I didn't. I, I had told a few people like, hey, keep keep your eye on him, just just to to watch and learn from. But uh, for the vast majority of the rest of the competitor pool, I didn't really tell anybody. And uh, day one. Uh, when they actually the first action stage they saw him and they were just like oh like i think the the average time for one of our practice stages was 30 seconds was the average time and he blew it away at like 12 seconds yeah jesus Make christ makes yeah. sense hey shooting team keep your eye out <laughs> they they are aware that he exists um, <laughs> but so we we have a tendency to focus purely on the medalists 
Are there any other competitors that you'd like to call out, Parker, that you yes, saw? Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, the, yeah, the medalists, like especially a lot of a lot of the guys we already know, and they're inside the shooting uh, the circuit here in, in the area. But um, some of the newer faces, I, I, I love seeing Lance Corporals and PFCs out there. Uh, PFC Sago from uh, from Second CB, um, Corporal Cox. Uh, these guys were were young Marines. This is their first exposure to this kind of shooting um, and placing 13th and 14th respectively in, in rifle. Um, let's see for pistol. Goodness. Yeah. Cox again, 18th uh, Corporal Sprague, one of, one of my own uh, Corporal Sprague is a uh, weapon training battalion Marine as well as Corporal Turpak. Again, their first first competition like this, um, Turpak placed twelfth and Sprague placed nineteenth. Hey, is um, uh does Sprague have a brother that served in the Marine Corps? Uh I'll get back to you on that. I do not know. I served with a, a guy named Sprague uh when I was an eighty one section leader. Just curious. Mm, eighty dumps, huh? Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> eighty bums, <laughs> shady bums. <laughs> We called it skatey ones. Mm. Oh, and uh, oh, PFC Ferial too. Uh, from from MCT he was one of the one of the winning teams. Um, these kids again, young, young, 19, 20, 21 year old Marines, who uh, one don't know their own capabilities because they've never been allowed to do something like this. But once they get here and they're they're given the opportunity to excel and shine and as well as as learn like the, a lot of these competitors were sponges uh, asking asking great questions uh the the great part is we had a, a fairly large ammo allocation so we weren't tied to hey here's your 10 rounds to practice this new skill it's hey here's your 120 rounds to practice this new skill go out there and shoot as fast as you can and try and push the boundaries and then Next time, go through it and maybe maybe dial it back a little bit. And know where your where your, you know, solid operating range is, um, and you know, seeing them get to do that and really really excel was was a lot of fun. Yeah, the Marines are always thankful for that. Um, what you'll hear is they'll they'll say we never get a chance to practice because the qualifications are it's it's always tailored, and you guys have a lot going on in that week that you have to call the Marines. They just got to get them through, but yeah, that, a lot. That that's great. Um, I'd like to thank you for putting that on because you gave them that exposure, and hopefully, we hear a lot of these same names in, in March after McNick East. Yeah, I definitely definitely hope to see a lot of the same faces out there. Uh, another another notable mention, like I, I said earlier in the podcast, we had uh, four corpsmen come out. Uh, two of them specifically were. Tack drivers, uh, mm -hmm. Doc Nasuda from Raider Regiment. Uh, he was he placed eighth in pistol, so he was just outside the metal bracket. Um, and and uh, uh, Doc, uh, let me find his name, uh, Burkett. Uh, I think Burkett was, I can't remember what unit he was from, but um, watch, watching him, um, he's one of those people that you you see the new guys and they look a little uncomfortable and awkward in their movements. Um, but then you see some of the other new guys and they're, you could tell they're fluent in the motions and he was, he was definitely one of them. Do you see any of these guys uh, start, uh, do you see, envision any of them going out competing on their own uh, after this? So the, the great part about that is this competition, the, week one and two weekend fell right when a Sir Walter competition was going on. And that's about a three hour drive, which is a fairly large commitment because it's a three hour drive up there. You shoot all day, three hour drive back, like your entire Saturday is done. Uh, we had Sergeant Cardenas from the shooting team come down to help advise us. Um, and of course, everybody's addicted to shootings. What do we, we shoot all week during the week. And then what do we do on the weekends? We, we go, go out and shoot, shoot some more. Yeah. Um, so we had quite a few guys. I was joking with Cardenas. I was like, man, you need to joke with the Mac director up there at, at Sir Walter and get some royalties because I think they brought up like five or six additional competitors who, of course, had never shot before, 
borrowing gear, going out to gun stores last minute. Like we'd shoot until until dark. They turn in their weapons, they jump in their car, change over, and they you know run over to a gun store and try and find a a holster for their pistol because they they don't have one yet. Uh, so they're just you know trying to accumulate the gear last minute so they could go shoot Sir Walter that week or that weekend. Uh, so there, it definitely uh, a lot of a in. lot of seeds were planted and started to germinate this past week. Hell yeah. So looking back at all the, the work you did planning, coordinating, executing this match, what preparations were the most helpful and what lessons did you learn on match day and what changes would you make going forward with all the match planning you did? For preparations, what was most helpful? Um, as Marines, we, we preach rehearsals, transitions, uh, you also practice your IA drills, rehearses, rehearse, rehearse. Uh, what we did is we did have a live fire rehearsal with just our uh, our range officer staff. And what we we intentionally had almost like that secret shopper, like we give them a card and say, hey, you're going to be a foot fault or hey, you're going to be. Um, a moving with finger on the trigger while not engaging at targets like those those kinds of we were trying to intentionally force um some procedural things that we that would require the ROs to catch and address um i think doing that dry so that way because again i think from my the previous podcast i was you know I, I told everybody that our ROs had never done anything like this uh, so this is their first exposure as well so we didn't want the first time an RO had to correct somebody for flagging themselves with a loaded weapon be on game day. So we were, we intentionally rehearsed it as an error uh, during dry fire rehearsals. I think we went into some live fire rehearsals later that day, but I think that was extremely beneficial. Um, but being extremely deliberate with our range staff and knowing where our deficiencies lied um, and addressing those and focusing most of our planning efforts on those deficiencies, I think that really helped keep the match going smoothly. Yeah, they were, there were still some questions. There were still you know small points of friction uh, on match day, uh, which is to be expected, you know. Um, but for the most part, because our we we spent so much time with our our ROs, I think that's what helped foster some. Uh, initiative and, and problem solving uh, to allow them to make the decision, move forward with it. And then if there's still a question, hey, call the match director on the radio and we'll we'll fix any issues that may, that may be coming down the range. So that was good. Um, Did your match staff actually start having fun doing, you know, it's a lot of work. And I always look at being an RO as a, a way of fun. I get to interact with everybody and, and just enjoy the company uh was it the same kind of atmosphere there oh absolutely uh, you, you can definitely tell um after a while when they get to after two weeks of competition and this is a very fairly small competitor pool and we had four squads of about 14 to 16 marines so you spend four hours on the range with the same 14 guys and you're the instructor uh, you get to know them pretty well so it was fun to see that that relationship develop between our uh, MTU staff and the the competitor pool. So definitely some some friendships were forged there. Um, but and it, you know, there's especially like that one stage. It's a longer stage, and it requires a bit of running, and it's a longer setup. And like that, that's the one stage that has the potential to bottleneck. Um, so it's you know real real crucial to keep that one flowing smooth. But your heart kind of goes out to the RO because you just see that one dude <laughs> running back and forth, back and forth all day. Um, and you just one, well, you feel a little bad for him, but, you know, they, they embrace the suck. And, and that's that's where the memories come out of. So I tell you what. Fun. So I made a really good friendship, uh, which honestly led to a sponsorship. And I know this is Marine Corps a bit different, but whenever I, I used to RO Blue Ridge three gun championship all the time when that was a thing. And. Me and Chris Wiseman, we got put on the one stage. They usually put three ROs on each stage. Well, we were a two RO team, and it was probably a good 150-yard movement uphill. And, Ooh. 
you know, you're talking hundreds of competitors. And so, you know, it, it sucked, but at the same time, it, it was a good time because like when reset was done, you know, you were just walking down that hill and, you know, there's i don't remember which squad it was but it was one that nick collier from double star rifles was on and like him and i would just walk down the hill the entire time together and just kind of really forged a really solid relationship and uh you know now it's kind of led to working together you know i'm sponsored by the company and you, you never know what may happen you know yeah things absolutely. happen friendships occur and you meet some of the best people in the sport i've always said that yeah, that's that's one thing that always drew me to the shooting sports was show up to any match across the country and you'll see brand new guys, elite level sponsored shooters, and there's not a single rivalry between anybody. And sure, there's like the friendly competitive rivalries, but there's also like like uh, when I shot um, when I shot the Warrior Games. Uh, I showed up and I had just I had just put a new flared magwell on my pistol, and I had the opportunity to run it and put a couple mags through it to make sure everything worked together and it worked fine in in practice. And then the first stage, uh, my my mag wasn't seating all the way, which was causing some feeding issues. I had some, um, yeah. So obviously was kind of was annoyed and devastated because I had you know it's a hundred and fifty dollar match fee to go into that. I I devoted all this time in practice and to do this match and first stage just goes to shit and I'm cleaning up after the stage and walking back to my, to my little cart to figure out what's going on with my gun. And four dudes came up to me. He's like, Hey man, I got an extra pistol. Like use my pistol if you need to, don't worry about it. And like, these are guys I'm competing against, but they're so willing to help out other competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just because we're all there to have a fun time. Like who, who doesn't have a fun time shooting guns? Yeah, I mean, shoot, same thing happened to me. For, very first match I ever went to had a FNSLP Mark II shotgun, and thing went for the longest time. That was a single shot shotgun, and that first co- competition I ever went to, you know, I'm struggling. You know, jo- shotgun jungle runs, single shot mode, and people were like, "Hey, here's a shotgun. Run my gun." It was like. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody's just willing to help out people well, just i think see... i think those competitors did that because they didn't want to to wait for you to shoot <laughs> to do a, a jungle run uh, with a single don't, shot. Be a, don't be a dick <laughs> well i think there's a there's another angle to it too um the my my opinion is that i want to beat you fair and square i don't want to beat yeah. you because you're handicaps i don't want to exactly i don't want to if i look if i see that my name's above yours but i know that you weren't running functioning equipment then that's not, it's not a, a real rep- it's nope. not a real representation i mean it, yeah. it, it it is a win but it, it isn't like it isn't a true win like if you're if you're a real competitor you want everyone's stuff to work and you want them to be at their best well yeah, because i want to compete i want to compete against your capabilities i want to compete against your equipment yeah well i also look at another aspect too you know that was my very first match so they wanted me to have a good experience. Yes. They wanted they wanted to back. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, no matter what I kept coming back, I mean, look at where I'm at now, you know, yeah. uh, that was 2014, it's 2022, eight years later, you mm-hmm. know, I would be hard pressed to learn that I, you know, I bet if someone's interested in shooting, but doesn't own a gun, doesn't own a single piece of gear, they could just show up to a match okay. with just the clothes on their back. And I guarantee you they'll be able to shoot that match because the competitors there will see it and just pitch in and be like, Hey man, here, shoot. I bring, I bring two guns. I, mm-hmm. I always have a backup. So yeah, here, grab, grab my extra gun. You can use it all day. I don't care. Yep. But hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the other part of the question, uh, we, 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 talked oh. a little bit about your preparations um but yeah what 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 lessons did you guys learn that you're going to implement during future matches Ooh, so that's a that's a long list um this was our first action shooting competition that we've hosted aside from mick but when we do the mick the shooting team is there and it's kind of i'm not gonna say it's their show but it's 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 our venue but they're the smees for it so we kind of let them run that side of it 
So this was our first time being being the SMEs. So a lot of lessons learned. Um, for the most part, all of the small friction points were able to be solved on the spot with a little bit of ingenuity or some outside the box thinking. Um, especially, well, here in North Carolina, it's fairly humid and we get some, some inclement weather can roll in fairly quick. So we tried to pre-stage as much as possible. But one thing that we learned quickly was don't pre-stage your cardboard overnight. And if you do <laughs> bag it, bag <laughs> yeah. it, if you do bag it, yes. um, that was, that was, a, that was a quick and easy one. Um, for, for the competitor pool, we tried to keep them as informed as possible. And I did have to rely heavily on the competitors who have experience. So, the Archbells, the Kellys, the the Becks, the the Welches, those guys who've who've been around for a little bit, and this isn't their first match, um, because those those competitors with with the the novel questions because they've never experienced this before. It's easy for us as experienced guys to not have to think about that just because it's become muscle memory through years and years of competing. So you kind of forget to look through the match and the preparation uh, through someone with uh, no experience. So that was definitely something that, that we need to, we needed to get better at was just informing our shooters of, you know, what gear is good, what gear is not, how to show up with what gear and when uh, the, 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 the rotation of the match, it can seem confusing when you don't quite understand the squatting and the rotations and, and things like that. So it, I think that the preparation of informing the the competitor would would be a big one. Um, one good thing I I don't know if you implemented it there, but uh, practice score does have an email feature to where you can just type everything in there and then send mass emails out to all the competitors. Yes, definitely did use that. Um, and I am trying to streamline this these kinds of events because uh, the Marine Corps and maybe just the DoD as a whole has a good habit of overcomplicating things mm -hmm. when it really doesn't have to be that hard. It's, Hey, practice score is designed for people to travel the country and show up to matches. How is that any different than what we're doing? Mm -hmm. So creating the registration and customizing the registration of, do you need a weapon from us? Cause some guys either traveling from Albany, Georgia or like corporal Wright coming from two, two, he's the only Marine from that unit. Um, you know, that unit may, be, may not be able to ded dedicate the government transportation to move his equipment uh, from their armory to ours. So it's like, yeah, Corporal Wright, do you, you need a weapon? Are you left or right-handed? Do you need billeting? Do you need chow? Those kinds of things, like, practice score is ideally poised for that, and that reduces a huge administrative and logistical burden in planning a match like this. Um, we did hold team captain's meetings every day at the end of the day, but I would still go back and follow up uh, and use that mass email notification just to send out to all the shooters. Hey, maybe they didn't get with their team captain or their team captain um, didn't take notes or things like that or glanced over something. Um, that was a good way to keep everybody informed. Yeah, it's a really good feature. And um, Matt, I'll, I'll call you out. Um, you, you guys use that really effectively during my first MCMIC and also championships. Um, and I think there's a tendency, like Parker, you said, for the Marine Corps to overcomplicate things. I think the Marine Corps feels like it has to bring everyone in and do a school circle and like password by mouth. What I liked about that championships, Matt, in 2021 was I was back. Granted, I was in Camp Upshur, so I wasn't like, you know, balling. But I was back in my hooch at like 1400, had time to do homework, had time to go PT, go grab dinner with friends. And I knew that you guys were just going to send us an email and give us the updates. And if for some reason I get an email, like competitors to my left and right, we're going to relay that message. So I agree 100%, Parker. I think we overcomplicate things. And most of the time we can just rely on people to get the word out for us. 
Um, but we feel like we need to control the process a little too much. Well, you know, it's also the the way I look at it from match director perspective, um, whether it's running a mic or running championships, uh, depending on the schedule, if it's a morning or evening, you may not be able to get everybody out there. So why try and bring as many people in as you can? Uh, people, people don't want to be standing around if they don't have to stand around. So just get them the information in as simplistic of a way as you possibly can and let them live their lives, whether it's at Camp Upshur or if they're going back to their house out in town. Just make it as easy for them as possible because that's really what's going to engage them to want to come back more. Nobody's going to want to be sitting around till seven, eight o'clock at night waiting for everybody to be there. On top of that, you know, whenever Chris and I, whenever we were running those matches, you know, we were typing those emails, getting the information out, and then we were working for another hour or two. So by we would have to stop exactly what we were doing uh, to go out, talk to everybody, and then you know go back to what we were doing. And by that point, we would have lost our frame of thought, and mm-hmm. and and we would have just spent more time there. You know, well, this this is gonna blow some people's minds. So every single marine who's ever had to do any kind of live fire event, what's the timeline? Show up at the armory. What time, Matt? <laughs> four o'clock. <laughs> Show up at the armory at four o'clock, right? Draw weapons. Uh, yep. Wait for transportation. Uh, you're finally getting maybe to the range at eight, eight, nine. Getting yep. your safety brief. Starting going hot at nine thirty, right? Yep. You know, we had competitors draw weapons from six thirty to seven. That's awesome. Six thirty to seven fifteen, especially as the weeks progressed. Like our armory got into a rhythm. They got into a rhythm. Uh, it was. I would pass word. Hey. Tomorrow, range is going hot at 7.30. Be there. You back plan. You figure it out. If you're late, you're late. Like, it, I'm, I'm not going to, to hold your hand. Yeah. Be a, this is, these are big boy rules. If, if you want to be here, if you want to compete, if you want to learn and, and apply yourself to these new skills that we've dedicated ourselves in teaching you, you're going to be there. I don't need to hold your hand and ensure that, hey, did you wake up today? Hey, did you make it to the armory on time at... at fucking 4 30 in the morning are, are is everybody right like are we going to make movement as a unit from the armory to the range and ensure that everybody's there it's like no we're gonna we're gonna take take role i mean obviously we still took accountability every day just mm-hmm. don't people freak out about that we absolutely took accountability every single day but it was everybody has things happen we had a competitor get into an accident we had another competitor pop for orders uh uh, to Oconus orders and had to do his overnight or his overscreen overseas medical screening within eight days. Another, like there are things that happen. We're going to cater. We're not cater. We're going to, we're going to work with the individual. We're going to work with you. Exactly. And, and I'm not going to hamstring your career just because you're in this competition. And I'm not going to hamstring the competitors just because you pop for orders to, to Cuba. So yeah, we're going to work with you. Um, yeah. Did I do numerous team captains meetings every single day because not every single range finished at the same time yeah was it an inconvenience like you said like you're you're working on whatever it is and have to go stop and walk down to the ranges to do a team captains meeting come back get working again another team captains meeting uh yeah i, I did do numerous teams captains meeting but if that if that gave the competitors a more pleasurable experience because they're not sitting around waiting on the range for hours doing nothing like that's my biggest pet peeve is sitting around doing nothing where I could have been applying myself to either bettering myself, bettering my Marines, accomplishing something for my boss or for my unit. Like if, if I can do something that'll foster that and make things a little bit more efficient so that they can go back to their unit and get some more work done. Like, yeah. Well, I also look at everything that you just did here in these past couple of weeks. It, it's kind of a dry run for Mick Mickey's. And even, like you said, um, it's not necessarily your show that you're running at East, but you're facilitating everything for the Marine Corps shooting team. So it gives you a better perspective and a better view, and it allows you to advise them, hey, this is what we did. This is what we noticed that works. This doesn't work. This is how we can utilize the range to best fit your needs. This is these are the systems that we that work that we had in place on in here. And this is what we saw that didn't work. So it kind of allows you to become more subject matter experts of your own facility 
in order to help prepare for McMick East. And that's awesome because, you know, that that type of turnover isn't necessarily always there whenever the team comes down. So it, it, it's awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So I'd like to talk about the scoring system real quick. Uh, so all the stages were either gas gun or action shooting, but you all made the conscious decision to factor CPP and AR, uh, ARQ scores into those final standings. So I guess what was the thought process behind that decision? And then we can talk a little bit about, I know we don't understand it that well because Cardenas is a wizard, but um, what, what was the mathematical underpinning for factoring in CPP and ARQ scores into a time plus system? Yeah, that um, first one to apologize to Cardenas. Um, I'm the product of Albuquerque public school system. Uh, math is not my forte. Yes, I am a combat engineer. Uh, and math is required in calculating standoff and news of, of charges. So if anybody's ever on a demolition range with, with Major Tomasi, um, maybe scoot check back a math. little bit extra. Yeah, it's one scoot, you know, check my math, but scoot back a little extra because uh, I like a big bang. So... And, and and let me explain what Anu is. Uh, Anu is a net explosive weight. Uh, basically, how many pounds of explosive you are blowing up at that point in time. Yes. Uh, when what's, in doubt, what's the max doubt, for what's <laughs> what's the max for <laughs> Camp Lejeune? Ten. Um, no, I think there's. Shoot, I don't know. I think the G10 you can do about up to forty. Oh, nice. We we can do there's we have forty forty pound crating charges that we can shoot on Camp Lejeune. Okay. Nice. So, uh, but yeah, back back to the scoring system. So yes implement uh the the whole match was time plus uh that was deliberate because one we were we were limited in the instructor knowledge so our ro's and scorers had never heard of uh hit factor and we also didn't have tablets where we ordered them this week uh but it waivers and things like that which was expected so um we we knew going into this match that we wouldn't have the equipment to be able to hit to do a hit uh, hit factor scoring, so we did do time plus, but we only were going to do one day of individual action competition, which meant we only had time to do two pistol stages and two rifle stages, and I didn't want the medalists and winners to be decided off of two good stages. I wanted to incorporate a third known factor, one that Marines are comfortable with because most Marines have shot CPP, everybody shot ARQ. So I wanted to give the competitor something that um, they were familiar with. I'm also having those scores, making them care about that portion of the score did help because those two scores are tied to pay and promotions. So giving the giving the competitors a little bit of an extra incentive to do well in that portion i think was was beneficial but yeah that that gave us the additional challenge of how do you turn an arq score into time 43 and 3 that's a fraction that's confusing to me um cpp was a little bit easier but actually at the end of the day arq was actually easier to convert to time thanks to cardenas but um we also wanted to make sure, this was the real challenge in it, to make sure that when you converted it to time, that that separation throughout the competitor pool, it was it was an equivalent separation, that, that everything was a little equitable, that the guys towards the bottom end weren't just getting completely screwed, that you know if you shot a 380, you would still be competitive for some type of level of points. So... Um, this is, this is where I, my apology to, to Cardenas is warranted because he did, he did come up with a formula to, to turn the ARQ or the CPP score into time. And it, it took him a good, not kidding here, 15 minutes of me trying to understand this because he was going to, he was going to be gone on our actual day of, of, uh, CPP qualification. So I would, 
I would have to be doing this by myself or teaching my staff on how to do it. So Josh wasn't going to be there to hold our hands. So I, I really had to, to make sure I understood it. Um, so I, I described it to Matt. Basically, what he did was he created a curve like for the scores on the CPP and ARQ um, and then applied a conversion on that curve into time plus or just straight up like time. And then that was then calculated together with the other courses. Is that more or less accurate? Yeah, that and obviously taking taking the top score being the constant. Um, well, we dividing the score by a constant of four or so. Four four hundred is is the maximum allowable points for CPP. So, so we're not dealing with you know a hundred a couple hundred of seconds. It's divided by four, and then for every point that competitor is off of the highest score, possible score, they incur a 0 0.01 uh, factor in that formula. So if the highest score was a 400 and somebody shot a 399, you take that 399 divided by four to just kind of get reduce that number down a little bit, uh, multiplied by 0 0.41. And a 398 was 0 0.42. 397 is 0.43. And that's that's how we got our separation. Um, keeping it in the hundredths of, of seconds, so you know, 0 0.01, 0 0.02, uh, I think that helped keep the competitor pool tight um, and not ensuring that someone who shot a 398 was leaps and bounds above somebody who shot a 396, which is mm -hmm. still a very competitive uh, uh, um competitive score so that was that was a challenge and i would love to take credit for coming up with that but uh, alas i did not that was all sergeant cardenas and i'm confused already but that's <laughs> yeah. not hard to do yep <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, like and we, we we came up with a very similar uh scoring system for for arq the challenge being 43 and three well what if you shot a 43 and two it's 43 and 43 that should still be competitive, right? But you only got the two destroys versus the three destroys. So for every destroy that you did not get in that second portion of the of the equation was an automatic 10-second penalty. Hmm. So if you shot a 43 and two plus 10 seconds beyond the time, whatever it came out to be, if you shot a 43 and one, it's plus 20 seconds. Uh, again, the, that, those, those, that kept... Um, that kept the scores from kind of running away. Those guys who shot a you know forty eight and a forty seven, uh, those who shot a forty three were still very close inside that that competitor pool. So it was challenging. Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. hard <laughs> for sure. Um, do you think you'll tweak that formula for future matches? I don't know. Um, I don't. I also don't know if we are going to do time plus in future matches. I uh, like suggest I said, time plus points. That's just me. I like time plus points or hit factor. Yeah, and, I, li and, I like and, hit and, factor. And, and, you know, I like hit factor um, because it gives you a good, accurate assessment of your speed and, and accuracy. Mm -hmm. um, but I also like time plus because it's consistent. You can, you know, obviously whenever you're running shorter stages uh, or not as many stages, every every stage counts. But in a bigger stage match, one stage is not going to decide the outcome. Whereas with time plus you have one bad stage where you take a lot, where you you're over or below average in your abilities and you run the clock down your whole match is shot just because it's time plus and it mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And, and that's happened to me. Maybe I'm just, you know, partial mm -hmm. to it because I've, I've fucked it up before, but I think you could do a lot more with time plus or hit factor scoring. Yeah. I think we've all been there where you're, you're going to war with that one target and you've been shooting pretty good all day. Mm -hmm. And in the back of the mind, you're just, you're doing a reload that was unnecessary because you uh, wasted too many rounds at that one target. So you're just like, well, there goes my match. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, fun. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, what changes? So, from stage design to match being on or stages being on the ground to whenever they were on the ground, 
looking at everything, how, how many variations did you see, you know, from whenever you had the stage designs to putting it on the ground? Um, did you have to do a lot of changes from there? Because like, for those that don't know, like on military ranges, you're the, the, the range deviations are really strict and what you can and cannot do is really strict um, because every bullet more or less has to be accounted for and where it goes into the impact area. Um, yeah. You, was and, there a and, lot of time spent on that? Yes. Yes. Um, that was very hard because you can put something on paper and it looks good and you think you're obscuring this set, this array of targets over here and you think you're creating the flow and pushing shooters in one direction and that this setup is, is well within the SDZ. Um, and then you, you go set it up and that is not the case uh, where you can, you can go stand in one spot and see every single target. You're like, <laughs> Oh crap. Like that's not what I wanted. Um, or, and I, and one thing I was very, very deliberate and conscious about in the stage design was I did not want to bait anybody in into creating trap. unsafe. It, yeah, I didn't want to one bait them into a trap, and but also in creating unsafe conditions. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to bait anybody to possibly even think about engaging a target that's outside of that SDZ. Um, and but that created an additional challenge because, like you said, Matt, military ranges, especially on Stone Bay, we don't have sidewall berms, so all of those rounds going down range have to go forward and not laterally. So it's not even a 180. It's it uh I just have you know at an obtuse angle. So that was that was very difficult. Um but luckily I had a Marine who was absolutely on top of everything. Um, this was his first major match that he had hosted as well. He's he helps out at one of the local ranges here, but um, had not really designed a set of stages or courses of fire to be included in a large match like this. So it was still learning a learning curve for him. Um, but being a good NCO, being a good sergeant, um, would have his guys go out the day before or the evening before and set up the set up the stage. Like, yeah, we're going to tear it down right afterwards. And the Marines probably didn't like that. Um, but what I guarantee you, they would have not liked even more was setting it up and then having to make adjustments and set up again and make another adjustment and set it up again, all on game day when the competitors are waiting for them. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he did his due diligence as a, as a small unit leader and set everything up and conducted rehearsals the day prior. And um, we did have to make a couple of adjustments um, especially when you think a, a wall is going to prevent a shooter from engaging a certain set of targets, um, but it forces them either too far outside of the SDZ or that wall is completely useless and there's no point in dragging out the, the massive concrete buckets to set up the wall. Um, that's not going to really do anything. Um, so we, we did have to do a little bit of that, but um, I think going forward now that we've done it some, um, I think our stage design is only going to get better from here on out because it's one of those, it's an art. It's definitely an art that the more you do it, the better you're going to get. So I uh, haven't created a Mona Lisa yet in stage design, but I think it's coming. Very cool, man. Yeah. I, just from the pictures I saw, um, I was like, wow, those, those look pretty legit. Um, but I was also in the room when you guys were tabulating scores and you had to talk with your CEO about hosting more matches on Stone Bay ranges. How do you envision that taking off? I know you just did it intramural, so you probably needed some time to gestate before that, you know, gets off the rails or get, gets uh, gets launched. Um, but what's, yeah, how do you envision that taking off? And what's your overall goal for potentially having matches uh, during your time at ops, as an OPSA weapons training battalion? Uh, yeah, I... Um... It was a lot of work, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of tired from it. I slept for 12 hours on Saturday. Um, that's also because of my hunting addiction on top of things, so um, that's my own fault. But honestly, man, like, I love this stuff. If if I got to go out and, and set up another couple-day couple, couple day match um, next week, I would do it again. Um, one, it's fun, but 
where I really get the satisfaction is, is exposing young Marines to this and having them understand how this applies to them and their immediate ability to survive combat and increase their own lethality. That's what it all boils down to for me. So that's, that's kind of my driving factor behind it all. Um, I would like kind of my, my end ideal um, end state for the battalion is because I think one of the questions you heard him say was, it's like, Hey man, how, how often can we do this? Like, yeah, like hosting a, a two week competition like this, maybe once or twice a year, but what's to prevent us from doing it once a month, doing it once a week on Fridays. We're just going to have this one this one range set up. And it's not, yeah, it's not going to be multiple stages, but why can't we have one range dedicated? It might rotate, so it's a different range every week, but what's to say we don't have that range set up and have a stage uh, where our own shooting team, or our base shooting team, or other Marines can come and um, explore options and, and learn some, some new techniques. And like, yeah, well, we'll do our due diligence to make sure that we do that safely because that's that's first and foremost um and they'll you know we'll, we'll give them the classes and they'll do dry runs beforehand we'll make sure that everybody's comfortable but the beautiful thing about these these kind of competitions it's it's a one-to-one -one pso to shooter ratio it's a very controlled environment um and that's that's it's a creative environment where where learning can can occur so i have i have eight ranges dedicated to stone bay um yes most days most of those ranges are occupied but i mean i'd have to run the numbers but there may be just a handful of days every year where every single one of those eight ranges is occupied at the same time so yeah why why can't we on on friday afternoons when most marines are getting off at 1300 1400 to go home why can't we have our range set up at 1400 and it's like, hey, come out, come get your personal weapon, um, and we'll have a course of fire set up, or we'll have some kind of skill building exercise for you. And you just show up to Stone Bay, and you receive your safety brief at fifteen thirty, and you shoot for a couple hours, and you go home. Why not? Why can't we do that? I would, I would absolutely walk away from this job satisfied uh, if if I'm able to achieve that. Yeah, hey, I so, got a question. Uh, do you guys are is Stone Bay authorized uh for marathon targets yet? Eight out of eight can support marathon target or teammates. We have to call it teammates. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. teammates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the the reason why I ask is like that'd be awesome to set up a stage that's nothing but teammates marathon. Well, and, and I, we, I'm not we, in the Marine Corps. I'll call it yeah. marathon. Uh, <laughs> and, and and for those who don't understand or don't know what marathon targets are. They're like these big targets, uh, not targets themselves, but it's a automated mannequin. target on mannequin on wheels, like an off-road wheel system that's controlled by GPS and, and, and controllers. And you can essentially set these targets up to do the same thing over and over, move from point A to point B, or after so many shots, kills on that body, the target goes down and it stops. You can have it rush you. You can have it run away from you. You could do so many different things. And they're a great training aid that the Marine Corps just started utilizing, what, about two years ago? And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I think what, uh, Frank, you would know, didn't they use marathon targets uh, in CR? Um, they did not. No? They, they used it in a team match. That's right. They, had a, they used yeah, they it had in a team, team match. match. And I used mine in my team match. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it's just another added benefit that, you know, you'd be able to do and like to have Marines come out on a Friday shooting mm -hmm. on a target that the Marine Corps wants people to train on uh, mm -hmm. and doing it in a fun environment, because I'll be the first one to say whenever I came in the Marine Corps, what most Marines experience in the Marine Corps is going to the range is not a fun process. But I think what you really did there is you made and what the team does is they make the range a fun aspect of their career all over again. Like you, you, you drove that passion to get Marines out to shoot 
and you didn't make it an experience that they they'll remember for the rest of their life in a bad way. You know, like you described showing up to the armory at four o'clock in the morning, getting yelled at, wait, waiting around all day, you know, sitting on a range waiting to shoot. No, you you streamlined the process. You got them out there and they had a good time doing it. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's 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 kind of the impetus behind everything that we've been doing. And it, this isn't when when you when you say I, it's it, it's uh, a team uh, effort like you have absolutely. A team. And, and, and the, um, that's what I was going to bring up next. Like, yeah, your whole support staff, like who are the who are the people behind uh, everything behind all the planning, the guys behind the scenes that you need to give a shout out to? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, because without them, this would not have happened. There's there's a couple of Marines in the battalion who have a little bit of experience in competitive shooting, um, but I I have what I had in my head, what I wanted it to look like, but I I can't do that alone. I, I'm the opso of the battalion. I have a million other things that I need to be focusing on, um, so I really have to rely on them uh to to make this vision come to life and that's exactly what they did and it was it was an amazing thing to experience um uh sergeant uh sergeant mcintyre he's one of our our instructors at the mtu um he was the main driving force behind this um it was great to one work with him and see see all the excitement that he would build up and it's like oh i want to do this can i do this i'm like absolutely man well, can I, can I do this too? Like, yeah, yeah, you can. Um, and just fostering that creative environment for him really took that. hold. Oh, it was great, man. I love that. Like a sergeant doing sergeant things. Oh, That's... It's, it's magic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, Sergeant McIntyre really was, he was my guy who we used to, uh, run the RO classes for my Marine. Like, yes, I have my CMC and CMT instructors out of the MTU who they're platform instructors. They can teach. These guys have been boarded left and right and proven that they are able to teach a period of instruction. Now, we can change that period of instruction. We just need to ensure that they know what that is. So uh, McIntyre was the guy who who spun them up on what they needed to teach. Um, but the actual teachers, so, uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Violante, man, oh, he, one, he's fun to talk to, uh, his accent's great because he's just, he's just like this, the most masculine grunt you'll ever meet. Um, <laughs> but he's super intelligent. And when, when helping with stage design, he understands the range control and SDZ isms that we have to be aware of, like not just making sure targets are within their left and rights, but target height so that it's not too high and, and sailing over bullet traps or going too low and driving into SACON and, and destroying uh, infrastructure, those kinds of things. So it was great seeing him um, help out with that. Um, Corporal Marchese, um, uh, Ab Sergeant Absalon, like these guys, all NCOs, and they were all the uh, Sergeant Waters, shoot, with other names. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited right now because, because these Marines were the ones who went forward. We gave them their, we gave them commander's intent. We gave them the vision, but really, when we gave them that vision, it was blurry. And they're the ones who came together and decided what the crispness of that vision should look like. And that gave them buy-in in the execution and gave them a vested interest in the success of that event. Um, That's what I love uh, about like junior Marines. Like, you know, we as senior leaders um, or you guys now as senior leaders, you guys are really good at the wave top planning and the conceptual planning and, and like saying, Hey, this is, this is my vision. This is, this is what I would like to see come out of it but they know how to just really do that detailed planning from, you know, and just the back planning and say, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And this, this, this is going to be the true vision. This is going to be, like you said, that crisp vision of what it yeah. looks like on the ground. And that's awesome. Yeah. The, the what's in the house. Like, I think my I'm a bit of a history nerd, but 
one of my favorite quotes from um, Winston Churchill. One, he's got some hilarious ones. Um, but the one I think that's most applicable to us even now is for senior leaders is don't tell Marines how to get something done. Tell them what needs to get done mm -hmm. and let them surprise you with their ingenuity in coming up with the how. Nobody um, likes a micromanager. No, not at no. all. And and sometimes it's necessary when they're when they're screwing up. It's like, yeah, I, I'm going to micromanage you when I when you can't even tie your own shoes. Um, but at the end of the day, when when this large picture needs to come together and and you have a, a, a viable and important role in making that happen, uh, I'm just going to tell you the what you come up with the how. Mm -hmm. And I, I pulled I pulled them all in after the competition, just just my range staff, and these guys have been working for uh, months, month and a half, and day and night, while still holding while still hosting uh, CMC and CMT courses. So these guys are still going out and they're still teaching students, and when they're done for the day, they're coming and staying staying later to do some extra classes, um, so they can learn these new skills, and I pulled them all in. And they were all in the room together. And, and I said, hey, guys, like, look around. Where's the staff and COs? They're not here. This whole match was put on by NCOs and junior Marines. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, so, yes, we had we had the OICs and RSOs mm -hmm. um, for that for that safety control. But those were all FAPs because we don't have the infrastructure inside our battalion. We don't have the organic infrastructure to be able to to have all of our ARQ ranges hot at the same time and have all of our other um, ranges hot provided by organic support. So we had to get some FAPs from the fleet. Um, so all of the RSOs and OICs were, were FAPs. Everybody else running the range, teaching the classes, running the competitors, doing the scoring doing the range setup, doing the teardown, doing doing the rehearsals, doing everything. NCOs and junior Marines, man. Hell it yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I think they came out of it. Um I I know a bunch of them were a little not I wouldn't say disheartened, but they wanted to shoot. They wanted to compete. Uh they wanted they, they were exposed to that. They're like, oh my gosh, this looks like fun. I want to do this now too. Um but every single one of them, I think, walked out of there a little bit more empowered uh, to actually hold that that NCO rank. So it's good. And I love hearing that because, you know, I think throughout my career, you hear like, oh, they're taking away our power They're You know, they, they say, oh, you need to empower your NCOs. You need to empower your NCOs. But a lot of people don't necessarily know how to empower their NCOs. They're, they're used to the micromanagement. And I'm going back early in my career, but like you kind of described it right there. Hey, like, this is the vision. This is what I want to accomplish. Like, let's get it done. And they just run with it. And that's, that's you, 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 not only did you achieve a great thing on the match, but you really think you, a lot of lessons were taught on the leadership side too. I hope we can do it again uh, in March during McMick. Oh, I'm sure you will. Yep. And then, so my, my measure of success is, is it repeatable? So can we do it again? Can we I do think it again? you have, I think you have the right people in place to where it is achievable and it will. Oh, it absolutely. Will and, and ultimately, the, the the most empowering thing is having a commanding officer who's completely on the same page. Um, he he intentionally didn't want to have staff and COs being the PSOs and being the ROs and running the classes, teaching the classes. Like, yeah, they can absolutely do it, and they could probably do a great job. Sure. But, but having the corporal, having the, the sergeant run it at the ground level Mm -hmm. um, and then show them afterwards, like, look what you guys did. I don't mm -hmm. think you all realized because your heads were down and you were just getting after it. And we're at the finish line now. So pick your heads up, look around, look who's with you. So um, having having a CEO right now who um, is it one empowering me as as is me in competitive shooting uh, to put something like this on. Um, and he's, he's educating himself and he's, he's learning what this is about. And as he gets more exposed to it, he's kind of getting a little bit more hungry for it. 
the cool thing was uh, we were doing some live fire rehearsals. And I'd, you know, I'd take him out to the range. Hey, sir, you want to go walk ranges? And we'd, we'd walk and, hey, can I jump in? Can I shoot? Yeah, absolutely, sir. Like, here's here's a pistol. Here's some rounds. Here's a safety brief. Go go get it. And then um, that was during li the live fire rehearsals. And then actual competition days, we'd walk around. And, and again, like, shooters would break for chow in the middle of the day. And it was about 1130 when we were walking around. And he's like, hey, nobody's walking or, you know, nobody's shooting. They're on break for chow. Like, can I shoot? Yeah, absolutely. So again, give him give him a pistol. He, he does a course of fire, and he's like, "I can do better. Can I shoot it again?" And you know, so I'm seeing I'm seeing that that hunger and that thirst to like I want to do this some more because this there's some real relevance in this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing that in my commander now, which is awesome. And that's the same day, Frank, when you were in my office, we were tabulating scores, and he came in, and we're talking, just you know, kind of wrapping up for the day, and then he's you know casually. Hey, how often can we do this? Because he he sees what it provides. He sees the value in it, um, yeah. and he wants to foster it just like I do. So it's 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 a beautiful thing that we got going on in Stone Bay right now. Um, I just want to, like I said, my measure of success is can we repeat this? Uh, so we'll see. Hell Sounds yeah. like you guys have a great thing going on, and we're excited to see where your where weapons trade battalion Stone Bay goes in the future and as long as you're willing to come and talk to us about it we'd love to keep having you on as we as your unit progresses as your marines grow and as uh practical shooting finds yet another venue in the legion area we're we're excited for it honestly awesome but, um, thanks thanks man yeah any last words before we close out i don't know i, th I think i've said all i all i, all I want to say i guess on it all right, so uh, if you're in the Lusian area, the next Marine Corps match will be McMick East. Um, just watch out for the, the it's already in the uh, Mar Admin, it's on the shooting team, social media, but look out for the signups for that. Uh, expect to see a lot of the same faces and then some. But if anyone has any questions about what Stone Bay has going on, feel free to reach out to us. We'll put you in touch with Parker. Hope you enjoyed this episode and let us know how we're doing. Appreciate your time.